Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody to today's podcast. Uh, inshallah, it's going to be another very special and hopefully enlightening one for everyone. All right. So, uh, Allah SWT, uh, He describes the Muslim, the Mu'min in different ayat in Quran. But there's a, uh, a specific uh, line of a hadith that I want to reference uh, for us today. Uh, that it's all good. Essentially, it is all good for the believer. It's all good for the believer. And um, if you look at the situation that we're in, it's hard to find the good in the situation. Uh, there's uh, a lot of stress people are dealing with. Uh, people are dealing with financial situations uh, where they don't know how they're going to pay their bills. Uh, people are de dealing with evictions. Uh, people are dealing with uh, not having uh, basic uh, money to pay utilities. Uh, people's jobs are in question. Uh, people's businesses that they built for years is uh, under threat. And uh, people are talking about the economic fallout that is going to occur during this COVID crisis and afterwards as well. So they're talking about what's going to happen after the fact and how that can even be more damaging than the disease. And one of the things that's being mentioned uh, is that you're going to get uh, rates of suicide. Uh, you're going to get an increased rates of suicide, depression, anxiety. And uh, this isn't actually something that's theoretical because this is something that's already happening. Uh, the German, uh, one of the finance ministers uh, in Germany, in Frankfurt, uh, he committed suicide. And according to German officials, uh, it was due to the stress of uh, dealing with this pandemic. So because of the stress of this pandemic, this German official uh, who's involved uh, within the financial sector in the government uh, committed suicide. And they found his body, uh, you know, by the, I believe it was some railroad tracks. Yet, that it's all good. For the believer, it's all good. Uh, what if you get the disease? Is it still going to be good? Uh, what if you have close people around you that succumb to the disease? Is it still all good? Uh, what if, uh, you know, because of this lockdown, it, it pushes the limits of your self-control of your patients. Is it still all good? And this stress and this anxiety is uh, a very uh, major component of this isolation, of this lockdown, of this pandemic that uh, we're facing. Now, there was a study that was done that says that 43% Okay, uh, uh, increased risk of dying if you've uh, encountered severe stress or major stressful event in the past year. And I think 2020 is already being characterized as one of the most, you know, stressful years of anybody's life uh, because it's touching so many lives and so many people. Uh, and if we look at the rates over a million people infected. We have well over 50,000 people who have actually died as a result of this pandemic. Uh, so the stress, it could just be beginning and it could just be turning up.
Yet, how can we say that it's all good for the believer? Yunus salam, uh, when he was thrown into the blackness of the sea, covered in the blackness of the night, and then swallowed by a whale and isolated uh, upon layers of isolation from the rest of the world. So Yunus alayhi salam, he is under, according to the Mufassirin, that he was actually under the tongue of the whale, and he's isolated in this situation uh, and in this state by himself uh, in a life-threatening and very stressful uh, scenario. What does Yunus alayhi salam do in a situation like that? Can he say everything is good for the believer? What is the reaction of Yunus alayhi salam? Uh, the commentary on his situation is that he made sujood in a place that nobody else had made sujood before. In that state of isolation, he did an act of worship. He committed himself to an act of worship. He turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, where no one else had done that before. And one could say is that because no one had the opportunity to do that before. One could say nobody had the opportunity to make sujood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the whale, under the sea, in the blackness of the night. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put him in that situation, put him in that opportunity. Because what we would sometimes say is that I'm in this prison. I'm in this situation. I'm in this scenario. I'm under this test. I'm under this trial. But rarely do we say I've been given this opportunity to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rarely do we say I have an opportunity to do something great perhaps with uh, this environment or the conditions that I've been placed in. And so Yunus alayhi salam, he makes this dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, he's in sujood, where no one else has made sujood before. And he says, la ilaha illa ant. There is no deity worthy of worship except for Allah. Subhanika. Glory be to Allah. Glorified is Allah. All glorified be to you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The greatness, you're, he's acknowledging the greatness of Allah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who uh, has ordained for him to be in that situation. That everything in the heavens and the earth belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That uh, whether it is seen or unseen, it is does not escape the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inni kuntu min mean Verily, I was amongst the wrongdoers. This is the Prophet of Allah making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in his moment of need, in his moment of opportunity. Everything is good for the believer. It is all good for the believer. Our Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says in a hadith that it is strange, wondrous. It's a, it's a very wondrous and strange thing, the affair of the believer. Because there is good for him in every matter. In every situation, there's good. And this is not the case with anyone except the believer. If 
He is happy. He is thankful to Allah. And that's good for him. And if he is harmed, he shows patience. And that is good for him. It is all good for the believer. Everything is good for the believer. And you know what's interesting uh, in regards to the study uh, that I mentioned earlier, that if you have a major stressful event in your life or if you've dealt with a lot of stress in the past year, you have a 43% increased risk of uh, dying. So a 43% increased risk of dying. So uh, there's a lot of diseases associated with stress. Uh, there is your immune system is affected by stress. So your immune system is actually impaired uh, when you have to deal with a lot of stress. It affects your immune system. Now, there is one difference, though, that can change everything. There's one key difference. And this is non-Muslim studies. So, you know, subhanAllah, uh, they're spending millions of dollars to figure out the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just go to the creator. There was a, in that same set of data, when they look at these studies, if you simply have the belief that that stress is good for you, I'm going to repeat that again. If you simply have the belief that that stress is good for you, you have a 0% risk, increased risk of dying. Everything is good for the believer. You know, we should uh, ponder upon that. We should reflect upon that. We should look at our situation as an opportunity. We should look at our condition as a way of turning to Allah. And we should know that everything is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is always goodness in all of that. So I want to now uh, uh, welcome to the podcast uh, a very dear friend of mine. Uh, I've known him uh, for quite a long time, actually. And um, he's one of those friends that uh, once I start getting to a conversation with him, uh, like the hours will go by uh, like minutes, but we have a uh, a short time uh, today for the podcast and hopefully we can have some good conversation and inshallah spread some uh, you know useful information to all of you uh, so he's a practicing lawyer I think they've sent out um, or they posted his bio so uh, I'm not going to take too much time but I'd like to welcome onto the podcast on uh, Life Huck podcast Imran Qureshi welcome to the program brother Assalamualaikum Dr. Sayed can you hear me properly so I don't know if this is, just give me a moment here. I just got to make sure my thing is working here. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Yes, yes, I can hear you. Assalamualaikum, brother. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you on. Uh, thank you for making the time. Uh, how are you holding up? Alhamdulillah, um, under the circumstances, we're doing um, we're doing well. Um, it's uh, it's a very interesting time. Uh, it feels like a dream, and uh, still trying to adjust to everything. Um, 
a lot of the thoughts and ideas that you shared. I think we've been discussing them over the last couple of days, and so they're certainly holding true. Um, uh, the landscape within within my profession is kind of um, is kind of different, but um, we can go into details depending on what you want to chat about. But alhamdulillah, well, holding it well. Well, what's the, what's the current effect right now on the legal system with this pandemic? What's happening with our legal system? Maybe that can give people an idea, especially from your area of expertise. What's happening in the court system? Are there uh, cases still being heard? Like, or, or is there special protocol happening in the courts? Like, is the judge under like uh, a plexiglass, you know, protective? Are people wearing hazmat suits in, in court? Is court suspended? Uh, what's happening? I know you're in litigation. So, uh, you know, are people now litigating with um, these uh, N95 masks? And then they'll, they'll, they'll look like Bane when they're, uh, you know, in court. <laughs> but, you know, what's uh, what's going on with the court system? So the situation is as follows, is that um, the courthouses are, generally speaking, no longer open to the public. Okay. Um, uh, and... Basically, they remain open for court filings, which is important, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll kind of get to that. But generally speaking, the customary court functions have all been suspended indefinitely. Uh, and they've done that in the form of a, of a couple of actual court orders that have been filed and uh, that are available to people who may want to who may want to actually read about it. You can go to the Alberta Courts website. We have three levels of, of court in Alberta. And just always background, I'm a litigation partner uh, in Alberta, so my practice is restricted to Alberta. But I know, uh, based on communications, that comparable situations are 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 basically in place right across Canada. So, in Alberta, we have three levels of court. We have two courts of first instance, and then we have a court of appeal. The two courts of first instance are the provincial court of Alberta and the court of Queen's Bench. Provincial court basically is for, you know, in a very generic sense, uh, matters that are, uh, in, in terms of damages, are $50,000 or less. Anything above that, uh, plus other special matters um, uh, designated by statute, they have to be heard by the Court of Queen's Bench. Um, and then if a matter gets appealed from the provincial court, it goes to the QB court, the Court of Queen's Bench. And if something gets appealed from the Court of Queen's Bench, it goes to the Court of Appeal. So we've got three levels of court in Alberta. Uh, all of them have have suspended normal operations and um, there are certain limited functions that they're serving. Uh, certain criminal hearings, limited, not trials, are being heard. And then, of course, uh, if there are what we call emergent applications, they're called injunctions, those are being heard, but only if they are truly urgent. And in fact, um, you know, some lawyers are interpreting that as it has to be related to actually COVID. Um, I mean, it's that narrow uh, kind of scope mm -hmm. to get in front of a judge. Aside from that, everything has been paused. If you have a trial, it's been adjourned sine die, which in Latin means felt further than noticed. And so I had a trial book for the end of April. Uh, that has been adjourned. Um, uh, and we don't know when it's going to be put back onto um, the trial list. I had another trial booked for uh, the end of May, unofficially, that's been adjourned. Officially, um, we'll hear shortly. And so everything is basically in a, in a massive state of suspension. 
And but, okay, so now that you're mentioning this, so if, if, say uh, you have a person in a scenario where uh, they're, uh, they've been charged with something, could they now just be in prison because the courts are suspended? Or because, you know, I, I assume there are things like bail hearings or, you know, whatnot. Like, uh, so could, could people be, um, you know, in prison for lengthier periods of time because of this? Or are the courts erring on the side of more leniency and giving people like temporary bail or letting them, you know, whatever on parole or whatever? So there was a, a famous, uh, a very well-known case called Jordan from the Supreme Court of Canada, which specifically dealt with um, length of criminal trials. And basically it mandated that steps had to take place within a certain period of time. And if not, it was considered basically an infringement upon the defendant's rights. Um, how all of that is going to play out in the new COVID environment, I would be lying to you if I told you that I had the answer. No, no one knows the answer, to be honest. These things are actually being figured out in real time. What is the impact of the Jordan case in light of COVID and, and matters that are being um, upheld? It is possible other timelines and limitation periods that normally apply to legal actions have also been suspended. However, I'm not a criminal lawyer, so you know if anyone is in that situation, they should probably contact a criminal lawyer and get some specific advice. What I can tell you is that in the civil world, you have very specific timelines within which you have to do things once you're in a court action, okay? And, and those are basically just referred to as, as uh, rule-based or um, uh, limitations or, or deadlines within the rules of court. Those have been indefinitely suspended by order of the court. So no one will be prejudiced in the interim during, during this COVID crisis. Similarly, there's another type of a deadline that's called a limitation period. That's the period of time within which you must commence a claim after you know that you have it. That too has been suspended in light of COVID. Um, so, you know, by analogy, by extension, I would imagine that the Jordan timelines in the criminal context would also have some cessation, some suspension. However, uh, I urge and I disclaim uh, any of the listeners that if they do have, um, you know, a kind of a, a personal connection to a criminal matter, that they would definitely need to take that up with criminal defense counsel. Yeah, and I, and I assume that everything else either is uh, because of the suspension, they're giving extensions, right? So if people are are applying for. Uh, immigration and there's deadlines associated with that. Uh, if people are, you know, uh, dealing with issues regarding PR card and citizenship, whatever, they're all probably going to be given, uh, I would assume, automatic extensions if, you know, they have deadlines coming up. Well, one, one would hope that that is the case. Uh, the fact of the matter is, I returned to my comment earlier, is that this is all happening in real time. So there are a lot of government agencies that may not have officially updated their policies and protocol. One would assume that because of the environment that we're in, um, that there would be reasonability and there will be basically an, uh, an official kind of guideline that says everything is extended. I haven't seen any such universal bulletin, which kind of across the board, extends by default as a result of COVID, any government mandated, any kind of committee or agency uh, mandated deadline. But what I can say is with respect to legal action, both 
a limitation in order to commence an action, as well as timelines within the body of a legal action, have been indefinitely suspended by order of court. Mm, okay. And uh, now uh, there's a few uh, you know things that I've thought of, and to get your um, you know your your perspective or your mind on it. Uh, there's been articles that have come out in the past week. Uh, there's been talk, um, you know, at least uh, in the news. Uh, that uh, there's the possibility of an emergencies act, uh, you know, being implemented. Uh, and uh, I think that's formally known as the War Measures Act. Okay. So what does that mean? Like in terms of, um, you know, for the average citizen, if they are able to enact the emergencies act, uh, is it now like we're in a lockdown state, is it like going to be like an authoritarian state? What does it look like for the average Canadian citizen if they do enact the Emergencies Act? Well, <clears throat> I guess that the the immediate answer to that would be uh, what is in the act itself. There's it's very difficult to kind of hypothesize um, what kind of impact that would have without actually getting a first reading of that document. One thing that we would look for in that <clears throat> is a sunset clause of some sort, and that would be a, a you know a clause within the legislation that refers to its own ending. Okay, so when does the sunset on um, on that emergency kind of powers legislation? And that's very important because I think when we were chatting about this last time, I, I kind of used the example how you know. Income tax. We've got an income tax act in Canada. Once upon a Canadian, um, but prior to the First World War, um, you know, the Canadian government mainly raised its revenues through uh, tariffs and um, uh, custom excises and things of that nature. And during the First World War, they decided to institute on a temporary basis. Uh, the Income Tax Act, and I think its name was like the Income War Tax Act or something like that. And, you know, here we are, however number of years later, and, you know, the act is still, uh, it may not be in its original form, but everyone thinks a piece of legislation come in. Um, it's important to be mindful that they have a clearly delineated kind of sunset clause or mechanism for review uh, because, you know, that's the powers that you're conferring to a federal government in an emergency are extraordinary. They're not supposed to be used in ordinary circumstances. And there, I can tell you this without actually having read it. No one has read it. Um, I can tell you that it would infringe most likely upon certain charter rights and freedoms. And the charter rights and freedoms that we have in Canada are kind of inalienable, and they're designed to basically protect ones against um, improper legislation by uh, any order of government, municipal, provincial, uh, or federal. And uh, and there, you know most likely an emergency powers act would infringe upon it. So, and I'm sure they would engage something called a not notwithstanding clause to basically um, kind of rebuff any court challenge to it. So. The sunset clause is what I would be looking for. That being said, that being said, you know, I don't see in the short term um, any 
immediate threat uh, based on what has been discussed kind of, uh, you know, uh, anecdotally so far. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I think the, the, the reason why some of this rhetoric is coming out, and by the way, uh, just uh, to let you know, you've been cutting out a little bit, so I don't know if your internet connection uh, is a little bit slow, so just uh, I don't know if you're able to modify anything on your, on, on your end. But uh, Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I, we can hear you, but sometimes it starts cutting out and uh, it lags and slows down. So I'm getting word that it could possibly be the internet connection uh, from where you are at. Uh, but um, the reason why I bring this up, and it's very interesting, by the way, uh, what you mentioned, uh, the fact that Income Tax Act uh, was supposed to be a temporary measure after World War One, and that never left. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so the who knows what's what they implement today could now yeah. be the new normal, right? Like it'll be with us uh, forever. Because we've been paying into income tax, you know, since then. We, we, you know, we didn't know that at one point that uh, they didn't have an uh, have an income tax. Now, um, mm -hmm. the reason why I say this is, it's you know, subhanallah, a duality between, uh, you know, the instructions you're getting from uh, leaders and people of authority, and then this uh, natural disposition of people to uh, perhaps rebel. So for example, in Ontario, uh, they're talking about that you can get fines if you ignore uh, you know, some of the government's orders of staying away from basketball courts and playgrounds and recreational facilities. You can get fined <laughs> from anywhere from $750 to $100,000. You could be facing jail time, okay? And I can understand why, because there's a frustration that they're trying to get the whole like everyone to play ball. They're trying to get everybody to go with the program. And then you have people who are taking it like vacation. Uh, OK, yeah, let's we, we can play basketball. Or we'll, we'll go do this. We'll, um, you know, get together, have house parties, whatever, what have you. And uh, and so that's extremely frustrating. And then um, uh, in uh, in grocery stores, then on the other hand, you might have like a Paul Blart, right? Like uh, this overzealous, you know, mall cop who's like going around with a tape measure. You know, like you guys aren't the proper six feet away from each other and, you know, starting to get upset. Like I saw an article of uh, somebody who was a former bouncer in, in a bar, right? And he's talking about how frustrated he is trying to get people like, you know, away from each other at the grocery store. Part of that could be like people aren't taking the rules seriously, but could it be like, you know, those people who uh, don't know how to use wisdom and trying to get people to uh, follow the rules, you know what I mean? So I think what I, the reason why I'm saying this, I could see the situation getting out of hand. You can have mm -hmm. people who take it hyper seriously and start freaking out if you break like these certain guidelines of, uh, it's like you touched your face and then they're videotaping. Why'd you touch your face? Why'd you, why didn't you sneeze into your elbow, bro? And then, you know what I mean? It's a confrontation. And then on the other hand, people just like don't care. They're having parties. They're ignoring all the rules. So you you can have these people without giving clear guidance. Hey, this is how we need to conduct ourselves. This is what happens when you break the rules. And that's why I, uh, I asked this because I can foresee an emergencies act 
being implemented if things get out of hand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? From both sides. Like you can have people who just are taking this opportunity to like make you like really stick it to you, stickler for everything within the rules. And then you could have some people who are just laissez-faire. They don't care. They're just um, – they just want to do what they want to do type of thing. You know what I mean? So this, yeah, this is the – I think – no, I, I think I think there is a real risk of uh, legislation like that being misapplied. First of all, you're right. I think it would only be all the signals that we're getting right now from the federal government is that something like that would probably be instituted if they feel the powers they have right now through uh, local law enforcement and the military are somehow insufficient. But the whole mm-hmm. purpose of legislation would be to enable them to do something that they currently can't do right now and 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 because you heard about what happened in new york right they have like uh several thousand police officers uh that have tested positive uh for covid19 so uh, you know that's another threat right you're trying to implement the law and if do 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 police officers for example have protect uh, personal protective equipment you know all of this stuff is totally uncharted waters. Like we, yeah. from a legal point of view, there is no, everything in the law operates on the basis of what's been uh, enacted through legislation uh, and statute or based on what we call kind of previous precedent, uh, judge-made law, the common law, received law. Mm. And the problem when you're dealing with this situation, the situation that you're describing where there's a breakdown in law and order and you've got absenteeism from the police force and the police force may or may not have protective equipment and they are or or are not enforcing the laws properly and you've got a breakdown in kind of that law and order situation, there are very few um, historical precedents for that in Canada and within a public health, uh, context, almost none, none actually, I should just go out and say that none. What we are seeing unfolding before our eyes is the precedent. And so if, if we can just, if we can kind of like role play this or war game this, you know, you, that's what we call litigation when we're fighting another side. But, you know, if, if you use a hypothetical and you try to stretch it out, um, you know, the courts do remain open for challenges to a piece of legislation like an Emergency Powers Act. Remember, I mentioned that at the beginning. The courts yeah. open for injunctions. So you could theoretically go in there to get portions of it restricted or struck out or certain agencies and departments not being able to carry out uh, the powers that they believe have been conferred to them through this legislation. So that's number one. But what would that look like? No idea. No idea. Because there's no previous case to compare it to. Yeah. And, and I, I think wanna... there's going to be a lot. I, I feel there's going to be a lot of litigation right now because uh, even with uh, whether you're talking about insurance, whether you're talking about uh, tenant, landlord, uh, whether you're talking about employment issues, as you said, this is uncharted water, you know, for everybody, absolutely everybody. And with that chaos, that's why I feel it is so important at times like this to keep your sanity is to turn to Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
You know what I mean? Like I, I and and uh, and not uh, you know get um, swept up with all the uncertainty because at well, the end of the day, at the end of the day, you uh, you have to live by your I would say core principles. Or this might be a time for you to evaluate your core principles. You know, right? And uh, and then after that, you can't really control the situation. You know, uh, I um, well, I. I like for example, like you know, some of the things that I've seen, like just prior to a lot of the lockdown or legislation that occurred, um, mm-hmm. you know, I I was uh, uh, like I, I took my family to the mall, and uh, you know, I I used uh, one of the public restrooms, and uh, you know, as as Muslims, to us, using the the restroom is not a spectator sport, right? So um, <laughs> you don't even want to be in the peripheral vision of anybody. Um, you know, when you're yeah. arrested, right? You don't want to be, right? Yeah. They, you don't want to, they shouldn't have any idea what's going on. So anyways, I come out of the stall because we're going to use a stall no matter what, right? Number yeah. one, number two, doesn't matter. You know, yeah. that's 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 where we're going to go. But I see a guy who's walking away. He just walked away from the urinal and literally just started walking out the door. You know, I'm going straight to the sink to wash my hands. And uh, this guy's just walking out the door. Not okay. Now I want you to think about this. What kind of threat to society is this? This guy is gonna touch door handles. This guy is gonna t- touch um, debit machines. Uh, this guy is gonna touch like a uh, like a the the buttons on the Moneris button uh, machine there. You know he's gonna touch tables and chairs. Man, some of his his, his, his you know the the residue can be on change and then you get that change you know you get the bills and change is jingling around in your pockets right <laughs> can i make a citizen's arrest on this guy like what is my legal right <laughs> do you understand what i'm saying because this is a threat i think i think this is a threat to the community like can, can we quarantine people like that and say hey we have automatic a vol- an automatic volunteer to test out covid covid vaccine like like, why, 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 Dr. Say, why, why do all of our discussions end up at citizen's arrest? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it's like, when can I make a citizen's arrest? You know? <laughs> it's, I, like, yeah. But, but do you understand? It's people like that. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Imran? These, these, it's people like that, um, that, you know, it's like, uh, throw everything out of whack. It's people like who you're, you're telling them a thousand times uh, to wash your hands. Well, no one's going to tell me how to wash my hands. You know what I mean? Like you can't tell me what to do. And yeah. so I think it's those few boneheaded people mm-hmm. uh, who cause like, because of them, sometimes, you know, you make the rule for the exception and that harms right. the general uh, society. You know, like in Islam, <laughs> you never make the exception, the rule. Right. So yeah. in Islam, we have like a, like you would do something, say, out of darura, out of necessity, or there is there's certain legal terminology that this is an exception. This is the blanket rule. So, for example, Rasul would have a blanket rule, but then you would see certain exceptional circumstances where that rule would be lifted. Right. You know what I mean? But so, I, feel, I feel in society because of oftentimes extremes or like aberrant behavior, you can get rules that affect the, the the masses because of that. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, so I missed the last part of what you were saying, but but I'm going to jump in on on this whole idea of uh, you know kind of these people walking around in society, and um, you know you know there, there's there's a there's we all we know what they look like and what they sound like in America. They're especially prevalent, kind of you know for lack of a better term, libertarian. Don't tread on me, and they have this. They take this. Um, um, like their rights, their civil rights, they hold them so dear, they weaponize them and they use them almost like property. And going back to what we were talking about earlier, extremely important, very important to know what your rights are or aren't. But look at your courthouses. Mm. Look at the law offices in town. Look at any other business. If this pandemic does not push you back and remind you that we are not in control as much as we like to believe, then nothing will. Yeah. There's one judge or maybe two that's sitting in downtown courthouse that's dealing with emergency matters. Okay. And that's kind of the backlog. That's, you know, what's, what's happening. That's the reality. The whole province, the country, uh, but certainly the province has come to a standstill. And, you know, from my uh, selfish point of view from my vantage point in the law, I can tell you it's absolutely no different. And people imagine that, that you know, all of this that we have, um, you know, the rule of law and all of this type of stuff, it is a defining characteristic of Canadians that we're very proud of. And if, in fact, you know, I, I believe that you can trace the origins of that tradition right back into um, into Islam. There's no doubt about that. In my in my mind, that is a, that there's a direct link. Um, but if you think that everything that you see around you is everything, it's reality, it's the be all, it's the end all. I think those people have gotten a reality check. They've gotten, you know, and you said it, I think very, very well. If you pick up the phone and you dial 911, God forbid, for any reason, one month, two months, three months from now, you don't know whether or not there will be a police officer that responds to it. And if they do, you don't know whether or not they're compromised. And I mean, so there's a question mark over everything. Mm. Uh, you know, lawyers are notorious for when being asked a yes or no question to say maybe and then go on for like 30 minutes. And <laughs> <laughs> so but, they charge but, you for that, right? <laughs> and then, and you get the full bill, right? Ha ha ha. So, so then, but 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 the point is, but the point is, is that you want to talk about uncertainty. You want to talk about question marks in a time this no definitive answer. Someone answer. the rules are there. You follow them. You abide by them. You use them. Um, hire lawyers, and you understand them. You work with them. But if you begin to think that all of this window dressing is is kind of an indicator of um, the fundamental reality, the core reality of one's existence, you're wrong. And you've been proven wrong. Nothing works. Nothing applies anymore. There's no, you know, this thing doesn't recognize power. By the time it's done, it will have knocked on every household in the world. Think about that. Don't stop it. You know, yeah. at least for now, unless one of Allah has decided that no one will stop it. There's no vaccine. There's nothing. And when he wills, there will be a vaccine. And inshallah, we hope for that to be sooner rather than later. Um, 
But right now, I mean, think about this. You have the most, speaking at least, the most powerful person in the world in the White House. And, you know, in his all of his buffoonery, he had no idea. He was like high-fiving and hugging some Brazilian, uh, I think, uh, diplomat. The guy was tested positive for COVID uh, two days later. This He could have gotten it. it there's no, there's no security gate at the White House or, you know, at um, Parliament there's Hill. No, there's, there's no missile defense system for this. There's no missile defense system. There's nothing. And in, in, the, in, in basically a two to three week cycle, we have, we have now been shown that we, boy, we are not in control. We like to tell ourselves, you know, we can split an atom and the energy that's released from there, we can obliterate cities we can put a man on the moon um you know we can we can cure this we can cure that we can you know drill hundreds if not thousands of, of kilometers into the earth and extract uh minerals from it i mean we can do things that were unfathomable and everything has come to standstill so you know I think that's I think that's extremely important to remember is that if you are if you are placing your hope and trust solely and exclusively um, in kind of society's common conventions and institutions, they're going to be under significant stress. Don't add to the stress. Support them. Build them. Work with them. And um, especially for the rule of law, because we're all, we really are all in this together. But on a personal belief level, don't assume that you know uh, this is going to be short-lived and the institutions will win the day and all i mean you see a lot of this messaging that's kind of out there this kind of uh you know goodwill spirited type of messaging which is at the end of the day you got to ask yourself like okay well what does it mean you know we'll get through there's like it's plastered on 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 shutters in downtown and other places we will get through this neighbors are putting it on their lawn that's all nice and dandy um but the, but the cold reality is that we don't have the answers to this. And yeah. that is exactly what we should be feeling right now. We don't have, okay, okay, we don't have the answers. Yes, rush to a vaccine. Yes, take all the social distancing and quarantine and public health protocol very seriously. Follow it religiously. But don't miss the question. The whole point of the exercise is, holy smokes, we don't have an answer to this. And in yes, a way, sir. it's financial. I, I agree with you. With your, yeah, I agree with you, uh, what you're saying. That, And just to uh, repeat for the viewers, because you're cutting out there, you know, uh, Imran is saying that we don't have an answer for everything. And, uh, you know, we, we put our hopes, uh, you know, essentially I would add to that the commentary i think the will be the more devastated we are is directly related is proportional to the hope we put in something so if you put all your hope like your ultimate hope and your trust in a system that is shown to in a very short period of time start to fall apart and you know start getting a little shaky uh that affects your state of mind uh, your state of well-being. But if we put our hope and our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then 
that will never shake. We'll, we'll never be truly shaken because we understand then the worst thing that can happen to you is not getting sick. The worst thing that can happen to you is not even dying. The worst thing that can happen to you is that you lose your core character. You lose your Iman. You destroy your Akhirah. That is the worst thing that can happen to you. Right, that you know, it, you know, for people, if they feel, hey, the, the worst thing that can happen to me is I'm sick. Of course, you're going to be wrapped in anxiety. Of course, uh, you're going to be in so much stress. Of course, you're going to be so disheartened and in desperation and depressed when you see, you know, the system being shaken as it is. And you can even see in the rhetoric that people have. We're saying we're at war with COVID. You understand what I'm saying? The, the the rhetoric that's used is the same rhetoric that they use for the war on terror. We're at war with COVID. We're fighting COVID. We're battling COVID. You, you know what I mean? How yeah. can you say you're fighting them? Like, who are you going to kill? Like the person who's infected? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, how are you going to uh, – you can only try to endure it. You can try to deal with it. Uh, but, you know, to use that same terminology as if we want to get revenge. Like COVID killed my family. Right. I'm gonna. Who are you gonna kill? Right. Who are? How? What defense system is right. gonna protect you from that? Right. So I think uh, you're absolutely correct. Our mentality in how we are re responding and how are we reacting to such a situation? It's like immediately it's materialistic. The immediate knee-jerk reaction. It's a materialistic reaction. We're talking about the economy. We're talking about uh, you know all of these things. But I would say. Amongst Muslims, amongst even Muslims, uh, brother, when we're, we're talking about this pandemic and we're talking about people possibly dying and there's like, you know, tens of thousands, over 50,000 people that have died already. And these numbers may be even lagged behind if we, if we see how things uh, progress. And how many Muslims at this point who are dealing with this uh, – they're now they turn in a material now just in a material sense how many of them how many of us have made sure we have proper wills you understand what i'm saying so on one hand yeah. we need to make the spiritual the internal the uh reflection and preparation and turn to allah and the akhirah uh, and realize what our position the akhirah could be but at the same time, when we talk about practical, you know, we we, we need to talk about okay, let's let's talk. Okay, what about materially? Are Muslims should respond to anything materially? Should we not care anything about the dunya? No, of course we need to care about the we we make our our, our plans and and whatnot. But how many people have even from an Islamic perspective? Because it's important. It's actually our Rasul said, if anyone has anything to bequeath, shouldn't even let two days pass without making a will. How many right. people? Even made a, a uh, have have a will in place. You, you know, you know what I'm saying. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, the and that's a that's an excellent point. Is that you know this this dichotomy between the material and metaphysical? Um, I'll come to that in a second um, because I think the metaphysical metaphysical has been completely ignored. Uh, we've talked about this at length, and which is really disturbing because. If you do not look at this through the lens of the unseen, if you do not look at this through the lens of what this is, 
why this is happening, you stand to actually lose every opportunity. And opportunity is kind of what you talked about at the at the yeah, outset. If you can't if you can't look at it now, yeah. What can, how how will you ever be brought to look how at it? Will you ever what, wake up? What, what what world event could ever happen? What sign from Allah could ever yeah. make you do that? Yeah, you know, there there is nothing kind of beyond this point, you know, short of a nuclear holocaust. And and even in that, no one would be around to discuss. So, I mean, if you can't sit and think and ponder now, you're in trouble because you brought up the will. You know, even, and this whole idea about kind of like the war on COVID and we will defeat this. And, you know, it just represents the internal, the, the internal angst trying to be, you're trying to project that outwards. You know, because you feel scared and you're unsure and you're uncertain. And again, instead of actually trying to work through that, you project that outwards. And you say, we will defeat you. You know, dark, dangerous shadow COVID. We will take care of you. And instead of talking about things like wills, we're talking about things like resolving issues amongst family members or, or business associates. You know, I haven't been getting phone calls about, I want to settle my lawsuit. Call the other side. And I haven't been getting those. Yeah, forgiveness. Where's the forgiveness, man? Where's the forgiveness in this? Well, I, I'm not the mercy of that. Allah. You want the mercy of Allah, right? Right. And we can be merciful to one another. Right. And that's what I'm trying to say is that I'm not hearing that. I'll tell you what I am hearing and what I'm seeing and what I'm reading. People are rushing out and they're trying to stockpile as much toilet paper as possible you can do a separate lecture on uh on on, on that probably just covering you know the the, <laughs> the islamic angle on on the hygiene issue but we hear about people running out and buying guns doctor say yeah 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 i, I spoke about that uh, earlier so they're worried about they're worried again they're they're of the mentality that i'm going to you know, I w I'm going to take somebody else out if someone comes onto my property or knocks at my uh, at my door at the wrong time. Self-preservation, and contrast that with I think the mindset of a believer that says, "I've got to go at some point. This is a reminder. Let me get my affairs in order, mm -hmm. and let me get, you know a will done, or let me." Yeah. You know, let me forgive the person that I should have forgiven a long time ago. Or let me seek forgiveness from the person that I should have sought out a long time ago. And instead, people are going out and they're buying guns. They're stockpiling yeah. and they're And they're binge-watching Netflix. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, I get it. Boredom is a thing. Boredom is a thing. But there's got to be some balance here. Look, if you go through this, if we all go through this, and it was a giant exercise on how to kill boredom. Mm. I mean, that's really? The biggest, yeah, yeah, that's the biggest, uh, you know, that's message biggest out of all of this. So far, it's the biggest preoccupation, you know, yeah. is like um, parents complaining about young children at home, um, you know, children complaining about being bored. They're not getting their schoolwork done. These are all real legitimate concerns to a point. Yeah, they cannot define the crisis. They're not why we. They're not why it happened. Yeah, or that opportunity. Now, now you have time with your children. Maybe you've been complaining for years. Oh, I wish I had more family time. And now that you do have time with your family, what are you doing with your family? You know, and Absolutely. and you know the anxiety that we have 
with and I and, and I spoke about this before uh, with with death and 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 people look at that as the worst thing that can happen to you. Right. But you know, subhanallah, what you know, how Islam gives you true freedom. Islam gives you the greatest amount of freedom that a person can ever experience because a person use vast majority the most of the population they're enslaved with the thought of death so if you can make if a person now is not afraid of death they're truly free they're truly freed to now uh, instead of the fear of death do they uh you know do their actions so for example a person won't say the truth because they're afraid you know maybe their their uh, their job their sustenance to the extreme that okay i could you know it can lead to uh, my my life being threatened okay to stand up for the truth but once you remove the fear of death you are truly free you are yeah. truly free of worry and anxiety you are truly free to be controlled by people and I find a quote by Malcolm X so powerful. Uh, he, he, he said uh, something that uh, really uh, hit me home because I, I can see similar statements made by the Sahaba and by righteous people throughout history when it comes to the issue of death. You know what Malcolm X said? He said, I already died. He's like, I'm a man who believed I died 20 years ago. And I live like a man who is dead already. I have no fear right. of whatsoever of anybody or anything. Right. That's, that, that's a that's a person who has who has come who has truly uh, accepted Allah in their life. That is a Absolutely. person who will not uh, submit themselves to a human being because the only thing that they can submit themselves is to Allah. That is a person who is not chained by death, but is made free by the reality of this world and the Akhirah. Absolutely. And, you know, it, just really quickly, just to kind of build on that, I was listening to um, a lecture not too long ago that was talking about kind of the difference between, I think it was Sheikh Omar Suleiman, about the difference between um, insan and, and, and uh, humankind and the malaika. And one of the things that was mentioned was that, you know, uh, for human beings, the you know our desires act as a as a as a veil or distance between us and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Whereas for the malaika, their only desire is to worship. That's how they were created. And so the challenge, the test, of course, is how do you control? How do you battle? How do you how are you tested by your own desires in in the face of um, of knowing that you've got this. Uh, great being Allah Subhanahu wa that is worthy of our worship and no one else is. Well, we're now in a situation where so many of those day-to-day -day desires and distractions have been suspended. And it's not even like you have to make an excuse for it. It's happened for you. You know, you can't go into work. You know, you can't And I, you know, I really want to emphasize this for myself and for, you know, anyone that's listening. And when I talk to friends and family about it, if we cannot take advantage 
of a time that has been given to us where we can be uninterrupted, largely speaking, in our worship, in our contemplation, in our thinking, then, you know, we've just completely lost the plot. We've completely lost it. And and getting rid of the fear of death, I think that takes, that that is a very, um, that is a very advanced goal, I think, of believers. And inshallah, I hope that at some point we can all get there. But even if you can start with kind of taking advantage of the suspension of your day-to-day desires and distractions, that that is kind of along the path, right? You gotta mm-hmm. you gotta build to get there. And once you're able to really suppress this stuff and realize how futile it is, then you yeah. begin to come closer. Then you realize that actually nothing in this world. Nothing in this world. You know, I suppress this, I suppress that. I've got control of this, I got control of that. Well, what is death? Well, death is basically, uh, within our tradition, alhamdulillah, it's not the end. Yeah. It's it's basically a complete cessation from this world, right? And so so this, this should be a reminder of... You know, some some indication of, of of death of sorts, and not physical death. Talking about yeah. the physical transformation with the suppression of desires, where you're able yeah. to kind of go beyond. Yeah, and that's yeah. really what Malcolm X was talking about. Obviously, he wasn't physically dead. Yes, he was free. He was free of all of the attachments, the chains, and and all the baggage that comes with being alive. You know, those 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 material vices that chain you down, that prevent you from being, uh, you know, a a, a true sense of uh, a child of Adam alayhi salam. One thing I want to uh, touch upon, I usually don't take questions uh, from the stream or, uh, or, or look at the comments, but this is an important one that was forwarded to me. I just maybe get a quick um, response from you. And that is... Uh, you know, what uh, advice could you give, what legal advice perhaps uh, as well, uh, maybe in terms of uh, people who are maybe in the state of isolation, but they're going through some type of physical or emotional abuse uh, within the household. So uh, what, um, you know, maybe from a legal perspective, uh, can can this person do? Because we know from a dean perspective that... Um, Everyone has their own test. Uh, some people are going through abuse. Uh, some people through are going, going through that emotional, you know, mental abuse, physical abuse. Some people are unjustly prisoned. There's oppression happening. Uh, there's, uh, you know, all sorts of different uh, problems that a person's doing. A person could be right now in the ICU battling for their life. So everyone has their own test mm-hmm. and ultimately spiritually we turn to allah ultimately we don't fear a person ultimately we don't uh, we should not uh, fear death but yet uh, as an amana to our body we need to fight to preserve our life you know so 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 yes we 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 need to make ourselves uh, with a strong will um uh, you know to, to do that and part of that is yes you know we should seek justice uh, for ourselves or people that we know who are oppressed and so uh, as part of that process, as a Muslim, what 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 legal advice do you have in regards to that? 
Well, <clears throat> you know, um, we are going through a profound period of where we're being tested, but nowhere um, within any tradition is it mandated that one uh, withstand uh, physical violence, violence to the person, uh, abuse of any sort. That's a different category, right? That's a different category. So if someone is undergoing <clears throat> um, abuse that is threatening their person, that is threatening another member of the household, um, physically, mentally, emotionally, that's obviously not healthy. Notwithstanding what we were talking about earlier about um, institutional power being inherently limited and, and full control and powers with Allah SWT, the institutions uh, are in Canada, in Alberta, are all fully functional, um, you know, as of right now. And if one feels the need to reach out to law enforcement, if things are really that bad, then, then they should do so. Um, again, I reiterate, no one is expected to endure abuse. That's not part of the program under any conditions, COVID or otherwise. What I would also say is if people feel as though they're in a bit of a gray area, it's not necessarily where they feel there's an immediate risk to their personal safety, but they are just at it. You know, they are at their wit's end and someone is really emotionally uh, abusing them, mentally abusing them. There are other institutions and organizations that are in place. Um, one of the one of the Muslim community's best organizations, best run and organized organizations. There's no point in trying to reinvent the wheels here. They have professionals there to deal with these types of situations. And they act almost as which organization uh, would you uh, did you mention if which organization? If so, if so. Okay. so if there is uh, obviously a life-threatening situation of abuse, your life and limb is in jeopardy, then everything is still fully functional in terms of uh, law enforcement and, and getting that you know getting protective services or whatever uh, th that you re require. But I think you make a good point that if it's a gray area then uh, there, there is some, you know, uh, there you don't necessarily have to take those uh, full measures. So uh, contacting IFSA, you said an organization, uh, to deal with that. Um, would you agree then also uh, perhaps even contacting like uh, imams of Masajid, uh, perhaps uh, depending on the imam, like I know the, the different imams have different areas of expertise, but some mm -hmm. are quite helpful. There are some imams that are, are willing to help and i think that we should never undermine like yes we have you do have ifsa you do uh, are there other islamic organizations that specialize in this area i think ifsa is built for this they're the islamic family social services association and when it comes to family counseling when it comes to um uh, uh, references to psychologists we have um registered licensed practicing Muslim psychologists in the city uh, and they work with IFSA. They also can be contacted privately and independently. So this, um, this is uh, restricted to Edmonton. So a lot of our viewers are from all over Canada. So right. uh, I want to give them a more broader advice. So if there is an organization that specifically deals with family and, and social services issues, then uh, you should contact them. And then, uh, you know, certain uh, you know, we, we, I would say another thing from an Islamic perspective that uh, reaching out 
to your uh, family members too. So like, you know, you have, whether it's your parents, whether it's your siblings. So reaching out to family members as well, this is part of the Islamic tradition of mediation. Absolutely. And, and uh, obviously you try to pick those who are going to de-escalate the situation rather than escalate the situation. I think also in a time like this, because this is still within regulation and, and, and uh, uh, what's being given as instructive guideline from uh, Canadian government. But if, you know, family members need to stay with other family members for periods of time for, you know, things to cool off because, you know, yeah, things can get heated perhaps. And, you know, people can be in each other's face and, uh, you know, being in proximity, close proximity to, to one another can, can lead to this. And, you know, for many areas in Canada, it's, it's very cold. You might not necessarily be able to go for a walk or spend a lot of time outdoors anywhere. So maybe perhaps, and you can't even really go to the masjid uh, and, and stay there for long periods of time. So maybe finding a family member's house, if you're able to, uh, th their home and, and staying there for a period of time uh, can also, like, these are, I would say, some of the, um, you know, in this gray area, some uh, more mediative steps that one could probably take. And what I would I would go one step further than that, Dr. Say, and I know we're probably running out of time. We don't have that much time left. But yes. one thing one thing that I would say is is that what what you and I have been chatting about up until now have been reactive measures. It is incumbent, I think, upon everyone um, that can do so to take proactive measures. You know, so don't wait for something to go wrong. Don't wait for for someone to light the fuse in a in a in a verbal argument. I think we have to be proactively forgiving. I think we have to be proactively coming up with uh, schedules and uh, activities that kind of create a light atmosphere. Um, you know, it's it can be a bit of a, a, a double-edged sword if you have too many heart-to-heart -heart discussions um, uh, too often, because yeah. you know when people are being real. And when people are being uh, very, uh, you know, absolutely candid, you, you don't know what direction I can go in. So it's a bit of a balancing act. It is important to be proactive in mindset about wanting to actively, for the love of Allah SWT, trying to improve relations, because that's the ultimate goal, right? You know, if you, if you don't, if you start out with, so, you know, you make sure you have the, the proper niya, make sure you have the proper intention, and then you go out with a proactive mindset, actively trying to, and um, um, and just trying to proactively uh, remain kind of in, in as tranquil a state and light a state as possible. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the things that you touched upon, some practical means, is that, you know, just let things go. You know, if, if you know things are going to escalate a situation, silence is better. Silence is better than than speaking. And uh, as you mentioned as well, um, you know, using humor, trying to keep things light. Everything doesn't have to be serious. Everything doesn't have to be a confrontation. You don't have to, like, uh, release your stress and your tension out, you know, on the people around you. Uh, whatever you put out in the world is going to come back to you. That's, what, that's what's right. going to happen. So if you want to be happy, you put happiness out. You know, if, if, if that's how you want to feel, put that out. If you want to laugh, make somebody else laugh. You know, right. uh, and and I, I think, um, you know, this is a time, as you mentioned, uh, we can seriously work on that aspect of communication and relationship. I'm going to let you go, bro, because I know you have to go and you stayed uh, longer than uh, we had it uh, first originally uh, planned. 
But Jazamah uh, Khair for coming on. I apologize to the viewers. We're having uh, this technical issues and uh, we're going to make sure that we put uh, some considerations in place and hopefully avoid this in the future. Uh, inshallah, we'll have another bonus podcast on Saturday at noon with uh, Sheikh Abdurrahman Murad. So uh, that'll be really awesome to have him on. And then, uh, bro, I think we should have you on again. And this issue of wills, I want to talk to you about again. So, you know, if uh, we want to set up uh, our will, you know, what is uh, the next few steps that we can go about it? So obviously, uh, you being a Muslim lawyer would be awesome for that because, uh, you know, from an Islamic perspective, there's certain things that we would want in our will. But I think a lot of people even haven't set up, haven't even done that step of uh, going ahead and setting that up. So I think that would be a very uh, useful future episode that we can get you involved. And then uh, hopefully we can sponsor you to have uh, better than a dial-up connection. <laughs> because <laughs> you're like, it was like uh, talking to somebody from like 15 years ago. Like I'm talking <laughs> to a time capsule from 15 years ago. And, you know, you're you're just waiting for the somebody picked up the phone on your end and then it's now it's like a slow connection or it's it's getting disconnected. So. Uh, uh, so, yeah, we'll uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll try to connect with you and shall uh, in a better OK, sounds good, brother. Take care. All right. So thank you very much. Assalamualaikum. And uh, thank you to our, our viewers for being patient uh, and, and sticking around with um, all these technical issues. Uh, like I said, inshallah, we'll get this uh, resolved. It's a little bit uh, tricky uh, when we have different guests because they all have different um, conditions uh, that they're uh, broadcasting from. So, uh, you know, inshallah, we'll try to get that uh, improved. And we'll see everyone on Saturday uh, for uh, a bonus session uh, for the Life Haq podcast. Jazamakhir. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Do I feel that the New York police are providing enough protection or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.